I have said it before. I am a sucker for riff rock. Just not much gets me going like a great guitar line. And this song is proof. It's why I bring it up. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of the lyrics of this song. Neither is Michael, and you will hear about it later if you stay tuned to the podcast. This song has a very typical song structure. It's not super creative, but it has a couple of just balls out guitar riffs that I absolutely love. How has your 4th of July weekend been? It's pretty good. Um, I've had a fair amount of time to myself. Uh, has Cameo been working all weekend? She worked Saturday, uh, Saturday night. And so yesterday we had my whole family over at, we refer to it as the compound. Um, sounds a little cultish. But <laughs> since my mom lives next door, you know, we have the whole yeah building and then like both the yards and so we had just everyone over and did the typical um fourth of july cuisine and it was great so we had cuisine (laughs) 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 yeah like potato salad yeah that's actually all we had it was just Just a giant bucket (laughs) (laughs) i actually would put three different dollops on potato salad Mm. on each person's plate um to give them the illusion of a meal. No, it was great. And I just read and wrote a bunch of uh, bullshit. Uh, had a pretty good day of writing on Saturday. <laughs> Sunday, not so much. And today was okay. How, how are you do doing? You, well, do you do fireworks at all? Did you do fireworks? Uh, we go to the um, geriatric location. Of, <laughs> <laughs> we went to, what is it called? Um, is it Wilson? I think it might be like a Wilson school. Oh, yeah. There um, is a Wilson school in town. Yeah, so, like, the party's definitely happening in, like, the Mercy parking lot and stuff like that. And, of oh, course, okay. at Traxler for the Janesville yeah, fireworks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we go to Wilson, which is, like... Oh, I know what you're talking about. A fair sure. amount removed. The, it's got a big... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, the, it's honestly, like, every year there's probably 20, 30 cars in the parking lot, plenty of space on the, the lawn, but you miss some of it because mm-hmm. of the trees. Yeah. So, it's like, you know, get a little piece. Yeah, but you don't have to deal with all don't the, see heavy the whole traffic. Show. Yeah, that. yeah, it's just kind of stressful being around that many people. But yeah, we do that, but I don't do any like we don't, you know, do anything. Do you guys do fireworks like at your home? We typically do a few um this year Becky got a campsite. So I went up with her and the kids on Saturday. Um no, I'm sorry, Sunday. Went up there. We got there about two o'clock and then helped her set up camp. And then I had to um, work this morning. So I brought her in, uh, her and the kids up there yesterday, stayed there from like 2 o'clock until I think I left around 8.30 or something like that, 8, 8 to 8.30. Oh, wow, okay. And so then I just drove back, went to work this morning. And so they're actually still up there. They're going to come back tomorrow afternoon. So I've been a bachelor 
I mean, I have one day of being a bachelor, I guess. So mm-hmm. I go to work, and then I recorded music, and then you came over. Oh, yes. I squeezed in a microwave dinner in there. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> That's that is my kind of how yeah kind of how the the day would get spent when everybody's away yeah but it felt good because this I, I recorded I really um, I spent about four hours recording uh, the song heavy which is the of the songs on the album I'm working on with Brian it's the one that's been like the most intimidating because I do like a decent amount of of guitar solo work on it which I don't really do a lot of that on the songs that I write. So I was kind of outside of my skin a little bit, but I wanted to, I kind of wanted to push the boundary a little bit. I've been working on it. And so I kind of wanted to, for this album, the style of album that it is, it makes sense to have some guitar solo stuff on it. There's one other track on the album that'll have um, a similar kind of, you know, guitar solo thing. And so I've saved those for the very last in typical fashion, you know, because they're the most intimidating things. So, yeah, just get all the rest of the stuff out of the way. But it felt good. It felt good today because I kind of, I, I captured at least what I wanted to capture and uh, spent quite a bit of time, like, just making sure that everything was, you know, sounded the way I wanted it to. And plus, you helped me name a bunch of new pedals that I built. And so I had a chance to use some of those in the recording, uh, on the recording today and all that so it's been fun man i mean that was uh um i over the last four weeks um i've now built 10 pedals and i have one left to do and so it's been um just a lot of of soldering and designing and all kinds of stuff it's been super fun dude that's awesome so i'm i'm like at the sunset of building those i i would have actually had the last one done but the the PCB that I ordered, I actually, I, my dumbass ordered the wrong one. It, it requires eighth watt resistors, and they have a version that you can do quarter watt, which is the only kind that I have, all of the other stuff. And so I just bought the wrong one. It's my fault. So I ordered, as soon as I noticed that I ordered the other one, and it'll be here tomorrow because of the holiday weekend. Sure. So, anyway, dude, I'm super happy to like be done with those because now the pedal board... I have is it's totally set and it'll be all good to go ready for hopefully in a few months being able to kind of work on playing some of this stuff live and so I've got it all kind of planned and and figured out from that so I don't know dude today today got a got a lot done feels good to actually be in recording mode get a chance yeah. to hammer all that out so that was my, uh, I guess that's my 4th of July weekend. I normally, we normally do a few of the fireworks, but since we were up camping, uh, we did we did some on Saturday night with the kids, just some sparklers and smoke bombs. How far stuff, away is this campground? An hour north. Oh, okay. Not, not too far away. Okay. Uh, it is psychotic there. Like, mm. I mean, psychotic because yeah. it's 4th of July weekend. Yeah. Packed. They have like a beach. Mm. And so we kind of swam with the kids and stuff but like that's not really my jam yeah it's just you know packed campgrounds i i actually enjoy tent camping Mm -hmm. and uh um but i guess not i don't really enjoy it in that kind of setting but the kids had a blast that's why you do it yeah they had a lot of fun yeah Yeah, i don't like being around a lot of people if i can avoid it yeah so Uh, you know my kids might be that way later in life. Right yeah. now, they're just kind of One living in the hope. moment. Yeah. yeah. They had their, uh, my sister Shalina and her kids were there too. Oh, fun. So okay. they, they were playing with their cousins. Oh, and, yeah. You know what I mean? Super special time for them up there. Yeah. So. 
anyway. Yeah, dude. Well, um, speaking of fireworks, let's talk about this song <laughs> with this guitar part. I, I want to say this right off the bat, just so I can get it out of my head. But when I was first listening to this song, I didn't think, I don't understand why Brandon chose this song. But of all the songs that you've selected, this is one of the ones where I was like, I'm not seeing Brandon's fascination with this song quite yet. And then the part comes. And I'm like, I mean, there's cool stuff going on, right? Don't get me wrong. It's not like some flop of a song. Uh, and I'm like, I totally understand why Brandon chose this song. Yeah. So, uh, segue, uh, why don't you, this is a song that you selected and a band, I'm assuming you've heard of before today <laughs> you've listened to in the past so why don't you tell us what led you to select this song back in the heyday of in my heyday of listening to tooth and nail which was mid to late 90s early 2000s um juliana theory came out the first album understand this is a dream i think is i think is the name of it came out in 1999 and it was on Tooth & Nail Records. And so I heard the band because they were on Tooth & Nail. They got discovered as like a um, one of the local talent. Like at Cornerstone Festival, which was the largest Christian festival um, back then. I don't know if it's even still going on today. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But they, uh, um, they had just like a local stage. Just people can... And what's kind of cool about it is and maybe other festivals do this. I just... I'm not a festival-going guy. I really just don't like them. But what they would have is a, an impromptu stage that if you wanted to show up with your buddies that played in a band, they had a stage that allowed you to just go up and play... Um, kind of open mic style, which is really cool. And so Brandon Ebel, um, who was the owner of Tooth & Nail Records, he is is Tooth & Nail Records, um, would pay attention to some of those bands. I mean, that's kind of like the perfect place to go and find talent that might be out there that you otherwise wouldn't know. And that's how um, he heard the Juliana Theory. And so signed them to a multiple record deal. They came out with... Uh, uh, two full-length albums under Tooth and & Nail, and then they split and went to Epic Records. Um, I think that's right. Is it Epic? Yeah. Anyway, the, their sound on the first two albums is um, kind of like almost like a pop emo. You, you know, like Taking Back Sunday, which I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't hate, um, but especially when I was like a younger, you know, teenager, it, it was okay. But I also, I really thought a couple of their songs on their first album were really good. I never really got into their second album. It was just a little too poppy to me. Every once in a while, there are guitar parts that would sound a little bit like Benton Falls or that kind of Midwest emo sound. And so I, I kind of like, I had this draw towards them, but then there was always just like, man, they just never hit me like a lot of those Midwest emo bands did. Um, and then the album Love came out, and I'm actually surprised that I even um, looked into listening to it, because it came out in like 2002 or 2003. So back then, it's not like you just you know go to Amazon Music and can just kind of sample them. Like you had to commit to buying the record, and at this point, too, I, I think, if I remember right, I think I just saw the album at Walmart. I think, because I used to go through and look for CDs 
oh, at yeah. Walmart, any any place that had them, and I'd, I'd cruise through. Well, and at the time, too, I mean, I'm sure it's similar. I'm sure it's similar now, but definitely then different stores had different music. So yeah. it's not like you could just go to stores and they would likely have the same selection of music like you you which is cool because yeah. it it kind of created this sense of like novelty where you know you would look at certain you'd find certain things at certain stores, you know, uh Do, which is neat. To that point, I would go to I, I would I would go to the exclusive company, mm-hmm. then I would go to Best Buy and I would go to Walmart and I would if I could I would hit them all up one after the other for that very reason. And I didn't I would I used to go and it wasn't I I'd, I'd go to Disco Round 2 that had a bunch of used CDs. And so uh, there there were times where I I for 3 hours I would be out just looking for CDs and I didn't even have anything on my mind. I was just looking for something that was like, Oh, and then you could demo it, you know, so you'd, oh, you'd yeah. try it out. And I'd, I'd, it, it would be a really good day if you could come away with buying like two CDs that you thought were really great. Cause you had a chance to demo them. And what's cool is my, my buddy that I went to high school with Joe Sharon Brock worked at disco round. And so when I would go in there, he was never annoyed with me trying out, you know, like 20 to 30 CDs. That's so awesome. it was, it was yeah. cool to have a buddy that had worked there and I could go in and just listen and listen. And, uh, um, every, every once in a while he threw me a discount. Don't tell his boss. So, but I went to, uh, or I was at Walmart I, I'm, and I, I saw the album and I actually don't especially like the album art for this album. It just doesn't, I don't, okay. I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've always kind of really not connected with the album art for this. Yeah. And <clears throat> as you look around my studio, you can see that my connection with album art goes deep. Right. right? I right. love, that's part of what I love about Dude. physical media is you get the yeah. entire package. Yeah. And so when the album art and the whole concept of the album and the music all kind of mesh and flow together, there's just kind of this warm fuzzy, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's, it sticks within you. Mm-hmm. And on this album, I've always just kind of had that album art just kind of like, I don't know, it's just kind of dumb. It doesn't doesn't fit the album in any way, in my opinion. Yeah, um, that's more or less a side note, or me just being a nerd. There's my nerd level detail. There you go. Because I don't really have no. I have an opinion about, about the that. art too. Yeah. Okay, do you? Yeah. Hey, share it before I get too far in. Then. Well, it just if if I'm thinking of the if it's the image that populated on YouTube on some of their tracks. Yeah, where it's it's um, it reminds me. So, okay, the, the, the one I can think of right now is Ed Hardy. Have you ever seen, <laughs> have you ever seen like Ed Hardy Dude, t-shirts? Yeah, it's funny. Because okay, that, that's, I see the it album from, third actually, from the right on yeah, the top. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's kind of covered a little bit because the album means a lot to me, but as you can see, I've kind of hidden most of it yeah. where it's at. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the kid that you don't like. You kind of keep yeah, It's there because the last. album has significance enough yeah. that I have it hanging in my studio. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Ed uh, Hardy. That's uh, actually a really great kind of comparison. Well, it, it reminds me of like a Walmart like t-shirt that's a generic like Ed Hardy rendition. There you go. Dude. That It just looks like this generic design that a graphic designer was given like, Hey, make this look like that, and I and need they were it like, by tonight. Yeah, like that looks like some sort of like Limp Biscuit band Ugh. imitation. Yeah. Um. So the fact that they have that part that I mentioned in the beginning of this with that art is just disrespectful. It like, is. It's you need kinda... to do this band some justice and make something cooler <laughs> than that bullshit. And I'm sure there's at least someone in the band that's like, label did us wrong, man. 
that art sucks. Or maybe they did it themselves. Who knows? Yeah. They might think it's really cool. And honestly, I don't really <laughs> yeah. know a whole lot about and they're wrong. the guys. So, yeah. I, I watched a couple of live clips of them, and I, I don't really... I, I just don't... It's funny with this band because I don't really feel... Um, I don't feel a very strong connection with the band. I definitely feel a strong connection with this album. And so if you remember, I told you about um, back when Billy Talent one came out and I was listening to it at, at the um, rock in the rock quarry bagging pea gravel and paving base. Right. It's <laughs> a great, this, yeah. this album came out while I was there and this is another album that nice. I listened to it's a pea gravel album. in some, in some of the, <laughs> 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 um, there are quite a few songs on this album that the guitar lines are just so good. They, it's yeah. just, it's like arena guitar rock yeah. and I am such a sucker for riff rock, like a really good Chevelle riff. It just gets me going, man. I love it. And there are some guitar lines on this album that get me going in the same way as as just really any other kind of riff rock. Um, and so it was it was a, a this is a total difference though from their first two albums. So they were on Tooth and Nail, recorded those first two albums. They're kind of some of them are like cheesy pop emo. And then this album comes out on Epic Records. And just it just blew my mind. I remember yeah. seeing the album, and and the band name like, oh, I know the Juliana Theory. Um, and, and so I I listened, and the first track on the album has some of that great guitar riffage, right? And then you skip to the second track, and it's like I was really feeling the album. I'm like, dude, I I should definitely get this. It, it from first listen, it had me like, this is totally different, but in a very very good way, mm -hmm. and. Um, I this was just one of those albums over time that I couldn't put it down and yeah. and when I first heard this song um the chorus the guitar line over the chorus and the guitar line over the bridge mm -hmm. I wish so badly I had written these guitar parts and as as I kind of get more into the song what I what I kind of want to explain to somebody who doesn't um, play guitar or maybe play a musical instrument but enjoys listening to music like yourself there are certain um, songs like uh, let me give you an example like a Jeremy Enoch song mm -hmm. or a Sunny Day Real Estate song mm -hmm. where the emotion and the mood of the song really connects with me it could draw tears out of me I love it but when what you're physically doing with your fingers playing the chords and moving isn't necessarily like fun like playing a video game is fun sure right? oh, yeah, it's yeah. just it's just the song and the songwriting and, and what the it needs parts. to be for yeah. the song yeah but this song and the guitar parts there within I would equate to like playing a video game it is genuinely fun to play this kind of riff. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to bring this song up because I connected with it. And also it kind of brings this element of like video game style fun in playing it. I, I could play this riff over and over and just be enjoying my fingers doing that motion. Mm -hmm. And so that's not necessarily true of, 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 a, of a lot of songs and even a lot of guitar parts I've written, They've, they have a purpose. But um, um, there's a, there's like a line, uh, you know, the first I think it's the first track on "Define the Great Line" by Under Oath. Oh, that guitar part oh. is like video game fun to play. Yeah, right. And so that's kind of what I mean by like, there's just some of these motions you do with your hand that's like, damn. And so a, a couple of times on the Shaggy songs, I felt that way. But um, anyway, I was gonna say, I I feel like, you know, our 
you know, I would say we're up to what, 35, 40,000 listeners now. We all, we all know uh, that I believe this line was kind of used a bit on the Shaggy album. Was it not? Not this exact not one. Like this I mean, exact I took inspiration one, but did you say you, you, you like were inspired oh, there's by a, this there's a, part? No, there's a band, Soul Food 76. Was that the one? Okay, that because I openly, I totally took a line from Soul Food 76 and yeah. put it in a Shaggy song. Okay, because this one, there was like the way, uh, like on the, I don't know if you'd say on the downstroke, I don't even know if I know what that means, <laughs> but it makes sense. <laughs> How this part ends when it like comes down like the last like yeah that yeah. bow bow is that is There's, that called the downstroke actually no, uh, what is that um, is know. that we know what you came for has a very similar yeah bow, okay bow. yeah yep, that, that's right. kind of what i thought of and i was like you're right damn okay yeah dude but, but the the actual riff the riff yeah I okay take. but i i I'll, you know what we'll do is we'll break down the soul food 76 song that I actually completely ripped the exact guitar line because yeah. it was such a good bridge yeah. that I was like, no, uh, not nearly as many people have heard, and nobody's heard Shaggy. It's not like I brought this thing to life and put it out in the open or anything. But like, that's another riff from Soul Food 76 that was just fun to play. Yeah, okay. I was thinking, because I remember you telling me that. You're like, dude, I don't even care. I straight took that line because yeah, it's awesome. Soul Food. When I heard this song, I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I bet you he took this one because it's <laughs> awesome. It was nice being surprised by this because I didn't know what was coming. Yeah. So, I mean, I was enjoying the song and everything. But uh, the one thing I'll say about the music before we continue, also with the guitars and how clean they are, is the drums, if you really listen to the... I don't know, just the drums in general throughout the song, I, I enjoy. It's 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 kind of one of those drum lines like during the during the um verses, you know, and even during the chorus, it's only a couple variations away from kind of a typical, you know, um drum beat, but it's it's not. They do they do enough. They do enough to make it like unique and creative. But also the transitions are great, and I think the drums do well with creating a sense of like anticipation for the guitars. You know, like they really um, showcase. I feel like the drums help showcase the guitars. So. Dude, I have, I have, uh, I, I wrote in here in my notes: drums get creative, but they stay in their lane. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. So they they add, but I think the roots of being in kind of an emo style band, emo drum work is typically kind of much more creative on the creative side. It's in emo music, it's very much like you think Roadside Monument, Appleseed Cast, yeah. you know, American Football. You have all these like just totally different kind of drum parts that are layered in there, and so that background of the drummer being you know it, with emo music. It, it has this flavor to it. It's got this style to it that it fits in the arena guitar riff rock mm -hmm. lane, but they have very creative drums. And across the album, I think he's got some stuff that like it adds that flavor to it, something yeah. a little little special. Yeah. Um, so it's cool. That's cool. You notice that because it's not just a typical. No. Like, yeah, I was paying drum a, part at all. Yeah, because after I um, usually I'll listen to the songs just a couple of times just to kind of settle in and like listen to the lyrics along with them. And then usually the first thing I do is start kind of breaking down the lyrics and thinking of, you know, what they're doing for me. And, but then I'll go back and listen to the music. And the more we've been doing this, the more I've just taken time to listen to specific instruments, you know, like just mm -hmm. 
going through and just listening to the drums for one play and then like maybe the bass for another one because it's it's difficult for me to pay attention to all the instruments during the same listen, you know, because yeah, you my can't. ADD brain just like, oh, if sure. I like something, then I'm listening to that. And I'm like, oh, damn it. I was supposed to listen to the bass. Now I'm listening to the guitar because, you, you know, they did something neat. No, but, yeah. dude, I, I think I intentionally, um, sometimes when I'm really captivated by a song, like we just talked about Spirit by the Blue Stones. Yeah. When I'm that captivated by it, my mind doesn't even go to what's happening with the bass, what's happening here. I'm just in a moment and I yeah, sure. plug into that sure. moment. Right? Yeah. But I try to, when I first listen to songs, if, if I'm not like getting this, oh my God, life changing kind of moment, hearing something, I'll intentionally just try to soak it in, you know, just feel it. Yeah. Cause that's, that's a, I think that's a good practice with most art really is 100%. just feel, feel, let your, let, let your emotions feel it. Cause yeah. that's kind of a, a, a pretty big role of art is to, to draw an emotion out of you. And in, in, in my opinion, you know, science doesn't do that. <laughs> Mathematics don't do that, but yeah. art yeah. pulls a, a, a good deal of emotion out of you um, at, at first glance or first listen. And so allowing it to kind of suck you in and then going and listening to the little nuances and what, all the details are that make up that great art is part of the fun, honestly. Yeah. So yeah, you can't you can't like be hard on yourself that oh I I didn't even notice this or that. Or, yeah. No. You know what and I'm I, I I'm I'm with you. And I I most of the time I'll let myself do what you just said and have that like visceral experience. I like that you say that because that's I mean writing that's a huge part of writing that I'm trying to learn right now is how to allow the reader to have those experiences mm -hmm. to not try to force them into certain, um, uh, you know, valleys of emotion, you know, yeah. because that's often, it's, it's a tempting thing to do as an artist to want to create a certain experience, you know, for people, which is good. Um, music, you can be a little more definitive with it, you know, because it's actual like sounds and, you know, you're creating these things. But writing, it kind of stinks because sometimes you just want to explain things to the reader, like tell them yeah. and you're, trying to create a landscape for them to enter themselves. It's really difficult, but no, I, I love that you pointed that out. That's yeah. I, don't, so I could talk for hours about that topic. It's a very interesting topic, the relationship between the artist and those consuming the art and how does that happen and why is that special? Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways. Well, I, th I think this song, I, I don't need to take anybody on this sonic journey and break down all these little elements and whatever is going on. I think, there's a point that I want to make in bringing this song up. Mm. Um, they follow your very basic um, structure, song structure. Mm -hmm. They have a little intro at the beginning, they do a verse, then they have a chorus. And then actually what's kind of cool about the second verse is the intro guitar line that they use um, at the very beginning of the song, when yeah. they go into the first verse, the guitars are actually just strumming chords open in the first verse. Mm -hmm. The second verse, they don't strum the open chords. They actually utilize the intro guitar line, which helps progress the song and move it. So the oh. second verse, what makes the second verse different from the first verse is in the, the guitar uses that guitar line at the beginning. And there's that subtle trick that allows you to not just go first verse, chorus, second verse, the same, and then second chorus, because the, the first and second choruses are identical, but that verse shift moves the song along and doesn't get you bored or feel like there was no purpose for it. Um, 
I also, I should mention, I really like the fast shaker at the beginning and in the verses. Dude, I had that. I wanted, damn it. I, w- <laughs> I wanted to be the one Sorry. to say that first. Sorry. First what thing I noticed it? was the shaker. Yeah. No, I, I just want to tell you because I was like, Brandon's going to be proud <laughs> that I noticed the shaker coming on real strong in the beginning. Oh, yeah. You know, you start listening. I'm like, oh, it's okay. high intensity. That's the shaker. Yeah. And they're doing it. Yeah. What, what it does is it, this is a perfect example of a song that didn't have that shaker. I wouldn't say that it would be worse. I do think it adds to it. Right. Because it is kind of more like a complimentary sound rather than a, it, yeah. In my opinion, it completely changes the rhythm of the verses. Oh, okay. The, the rhythm that you feel, the way that your body would respond or move to it or what's going on, it, it, it completely shifts the mood. And it's not because the mood would suck without it. It's just crazy how altering it is. And so the drums are just on the bell of the ride. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the drums are just on the bell of the ride, which kind of has just your high, a higher pitched, you know, um, more, it's not a staccato sound, but it, it gives you less of the, the ringing, um, it, when you're hitting the the edge of the ride, mm-hmm. or even if you're just kind of on on the ride instead of on the bell of it, it resonates more. Sure. It gives you more, you know, openness and, mm-hmm. and a bigger feel. And so when you're just hitting that bell, it has a, a more kind of staccato sa- like effect to the music. So what would happen is is there would be a little bit, of, like, it'd feel a little empty, especially on the first verse because the guitars are just strumming open chords, and then he'd be on the bell of the ride. And what probably happened is they recorded that way, and everybody was like, man, this just sounds empty and then some dudes like i just drank a whole shitload of coffee let me just shake the shaker really fast yeah and then they did it and they're like yeah that fills it in yeah and then they're <laughs> yeah, like who was that guy that was yeah, drinking what, coffee he's not even he in our band from? yeah is he homeless <laughs> yeah then so but it, that's that's actually what i feel like that shaker was is that it just that bell of the ride and the openness of the guitar chords it's just it was just too too empty yeah and so um that completes that mood that shaker really completes the mood for it and so, anyway, the song structure, intro, first verse, first chorus, second verse, second chorus, then it does, like, this pre-bridge, down, and they're, like, building up to it. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, um, dude, I, I love the guitar build-up on There's Nothing Left to Lose. Oh, yeah. Dude, and he's, he's just, just building up with it. Then they obviously go into just this crushing breakdown of a bridge. I mean, it is just a balls-out, full-blown... Um, uh, great breakdown bridge and the vocal line. I love how on lose it starts low and then it goes up high and they have just this intense reverb and delay on it to make it this huge soaring vocal line. And I don't feel like it's overdone either. I feel like they have the perfect amount of delay and reverb and the perfect like amount of stank on his voice to just fill the audio spectrum. There are some like eighties hair metal bands that do this like, you know, high falsetto, whatever thing that is almost a little reminiscent of what's going for, but the way that he pulls it off and the way with the guitar line, it just is so badass to me. It is just a moment of just like badassery. Yeah. And I, I, it kind of, I remember it just taking my breath away the first time listening to it. And then I didn't even, my first listen through the album, dude, I listened to this song three or four times before progressing yeah. because it was such a complete song. Mm-hmm. And the, the, so the song structure is as basic as you could be. 
verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, and then they chorus out. Mm-hmm. And and it, it, as basic as you can have it, but I, I really feel like um, there isn't one perfect rock song, right? There's no, this song is the perfect rock song. There are many that can, you can kind of say they encompass all of the elements of just a really, really great rock song, mm-hmm. and they do it right. And even though they stay in the lane, they stick with the typical song structure, they pull this thing off, and it is just, this song kind of epitomizes like a hidden gem. You you will not find this song unless you kind of, I think you kind of have to have a bit of the history with being a, a kid in a youth group back in the 90s to even know they were kind of on tooth and nail and have that path yeah. and then follow them into where it is. And so, yeah. like, there's just, on this album that probably hardly anybody knows about, there is this song that taps into perfection when it comes to just a balls-out rock song to me. Yeah. And uh, um, I couldn't not bring it up because it, it kind of fits that. It... it, it I just don't, there are just not a lot of other songs that are, that have that kind of description that I could, that I could give that kind of description. Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of makes me think of, um, if you're at some sort of dinner party and you've met someone for the first time and you think you kind of have them pegged as a person, right? Like you think you have a pretty good idea of who they are, whether that be a good thing, bad thing, or indifferent. But then you're like eating dinner and then they say like a couple things and it just totally, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to pay attention to this individual now. Yeah. They have my, like, that's how I felt about this song. Like, I'm like, cool. Like this song's cool. I'm listening to it. Everything's fine. And then the nothing left to lose part happened. And yeah. I was like, okay, totally understand why Brandon chose this. It all makes sense. <laughs> this song is, but, and then, and then when you go back, you can appreciate it. What I will say, um, with all the musical experience I have, I feel comfortable <laughs> saying this. <laughs> I just feel like that since it is such a hidden gym, I feel like it's a bit of, as they say in the writing biz, bearing the backstory as in it, it may have done them well to give the listener a few extra breadcrumbs in the beginning, even though the guitar lines themselves kind of mount toward that, you know, it would be kind of cool if in the beginning they had some sort of, you know, fraction of what they're going to do then, like kind of in the beginning to just kind of plant it a little bit to get your like attention and be like, whoa, what was that? And then mm-hmm. bring it there. But I thought of um, the band I thought of and um, I had on my notes that for anyone is listening is not opening Google Docs. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I, yeah. I spent about 15 minutes trying to open a file before Brent and I talked. So if you're impressed with the things I'm saying, I'm not using notes. So, <laughs> so it's, it's just impressive. It's point. just, it's yeah, just, I'm just, just impressing impress- <laughs> myself. Uh, one thing I wrote down in my notes is on um, ba- Beartooth. It yeah. ca- part of this song reminded me of uh, Beartooth can throw down on the breakdowns and like Especially like bridges into breakdowns. They have some of the best breakdowns ever written Dude, on planet Earth. Some of the best. And so it just kind of... I I respect this band arguably more than I would some of Beartooth's like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Um, and I did put in the notes, like for example, one of the most 
brutal and impressive Beartooth breakdowns is on a song that the, uh, I, th- I think it's called the in between. Mm-hmm. It is awful. It is oh, dude. so pandering. Yeah. It is basically the band saying, Hey, all you 11 to 14 year olds out there <laughs> who are, you know, having a tough time and just don't think you can make it, you know, we're here for you. You know, there's hope. And we're going to express that in a really shitty way. And then they do this awesome breakdown. Some of the best. Dude, some of the best. They are professionals. Dude, I grit my teeth through many of their songs to get to the breakdown, yeah. man. And if you don't do that, then you're not a true music fan, okay? Because <laughs> sometimes you just got to deal with some bullshit, okay? Oh, yeah, dude. You can't just throw it away. You can't no. throw Beartooth away just because you don't like, like... Got to dig through the dirt to like, find the I'm diamond, sorry. right? I will, like, yeah, I will defend Beartooth. I hate them, but I love them. And, uh, no... Anyways, lyrics. Are we going to talk about these lyrics? I don't. I have. You know what's funny with this? I. I, I would. I could say this about the lyrics. I don't have anything really to say. Mm-hmm. I think the line "Congratulations" mm-hmm. is, um, such a great word to be able to when everything stops, does that quick drum fill, and then he just says "Congratulations," and they go back into the chorus. It has, when you're listening, it has almost this, like, um, um, you know, passive-aggressive, like, a little sarcastic. Oh, yeah. A little, a little you know, just kind of that, that badass, sarcastic, whatever feel to it. Mm-hmm. And the mood of the song, I feel, is completely established. Like, the, the word congratulations fits the bill mm-hmm. so well with the mood of the song that, like, I honestly could care less about the lyrics of this song. The yeah. lyrics to me have really nothing to do with why I like this song mm-hmm. other than the fact that I feel like he said a lot of words that go well with the theme of the song sure. and the way it feels. Sure. And that's about all I can say. Is yes. like none of them feel way off base. Like why the hell is he singing about toast right now? Yeah. Right? It all kind of fits in there. Mm-hmm. And then congratulations has this sarcastic, passive aggressive badass mood getting into the last chorus and that's that's all i've really ever cared about man yeah it it was it's the guitar line of the chorus and the guitar line of the bridge and the overall production the the creative drums yet staying in their lane that just kind of polished this off as like you know what this is a damn good representation of just no nonsense rock and roll Mm mm-hmm Sorry, man. There's my assessment of the lyrics. No, no. Uh, Go ahead. I'm interested in your take if there's any level of meaning within. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very clear that, I mean, what the song is primarily about is the political fallout uh, post-Vietnam War. Uh, um, No, I'm with you. I think you nailed it on the word congratulations because I think it is a form of sarcasm and could be passive aggressive because from what I glean from the song and um, to diss on the writer a little bit, but to also pick them, pick them back up. Um, for all I know, it's, you know, a lady writing these behind the scenes. I'm not going to gender the writer because I don't know who wrote it. I'm guessing it's the front man, but we'll see. The, he also seems kind of like a douchebag. So yikes i didn't say it that kind of fits the bill for <laughs> rock though rock i mean I, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit in my life application but just just saying okay that's why i don't really i mean anyway 
I, I just check the album art, you know, arrest my case, <laughs> <laughs> arrest my case. Um, uh, the, yeah, to slam the writer a little bit, there's not, um, there, there, there's not, um, much, I guess, cohesiveness thematically throughout the song. And I don't think from that, a lyrical standpoint. Yeah. And I yeah. don't think that's done in an intentional like obscurity, you know, to be abstract in a I creative he, way. I think he knows what the song I think is it just about. gets off base sometimes, yeah. but I think f- from a general standpoint, um, especially when it goes into nothing left to lose, there's nothing left to lose. I think much of the song is actually about congratulations. Like you still, um, this adversity that you're going through may be the best thing that could be happening to you right now. You know, it, it, it kind of speaks from a perspective of, you know, it's almost like a parental perspective, you know, when you see, uh, um, someone, you know, 15, 20 years, you're, you know, junior going through things and they're all bent out of shape about it. And you know, in the back of your mind, yeah, that's the stuff like you got to go through to get to where you want to be, you know? So, um, you know, that nearly broke your back. Um, sometimes when lying on your back, you learn to breathe again. Um, it's coming crashing down to break you again. Congratulations, you can change. So it just seems like, just reminds me of something a mentor of mine says. Um, he uses the phrase, the learning curve sucks. Um, often sucks because it just does sometimes when we're learning things. But um, so, you know, congratulations, today is another day. Um, it's coming crashing down to break you again. Congratulations, you can change. So it's just kind of this... Um, it's very hopeful. Yeah, I think it, I think I really think it is. it is. I really think it is. And so it really amplifies the part when there's nothing left to lose. It's kind of an exhilarating moment of surrender because there's nothing I enjoy feeling more than feeling like I have nothing left to lose in the sense of, hey, like, I can only do what I can do, you know? Because often, performatively, I operate under this pressure of, you should be doing better, you know, you have so much that you can lose, you know, you need to remember that, pay attention to that. And the goal, often, usually, to be present in a moment is to try and filter all that away, you know, and just focus on where you're at and just kind of go for it, so to speak. So, um I think I think there's more to to this individual's credit, as douchey as they may be. I think there is probably more substance than there really seems. But that's the problem: is when your writing gets shaky like that. You know what I mean? You're not doing yourself justice with the substance. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this song was like much deeper than the writer was able to get it to to be. You know, and that is the strain of vocabulary. So. It's why I'm a little bitter about the whole lyrical content of this song because I feel like he wanted this to be meaningful, hopeful yeah. lyrics. Okay, so you felt that too? Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that's how, oh, that's yeah. what, it, yeah. Me but too. it kind of, the problem with this is, is the mood of the music and the tone in his voice of how he says congratulations yep. is important because yeah. it's in a very, like, like when he comes out of that badass bridge and says congratulations, 
I think this song would be better served as well as him using the line, there's nothing left to lose, which is a pretty, I mean, that's a pretty cliche thing to say, right? Yeah. So in a rock song where you have this badass bridge, though, there's nothing left to lose, it's the perfect thing to go into that. Many things that singers sing going into a breakdown is pretty cliche. Oh, yeah. But when it hits, give me that cliche. Oh, and yeah. I'm fine with it. Oh, yeah. But I think that this song would have been better served as almost like a, a some kind of a satire about politics or or something. Like, okay, Trump became president way after this album. But mm. let me give you an example. If this song would have been written from somebody that wasn't too happy about Trump becoming president, and for him to say congratulations and hey, there's nothing left to lose, and be on this satire, like you can use cliches in a very effective way when you're being sarcastic. It actually makes it even better because you're giving this attitude behind a cliche mm -hmm. that makes it like, you know, there's just this, you're, you don't mean what you say. You're saying quite the opposite. You don't want to say congratulations, but he's having that tone. And I feel like this song lyrically would have actually been better mm -hmm. if it wouldn't have been so serious and so seriously hopeful. Like, I just feel like that. So I kind of... Uh, I think from a musical standpoint, this is um, a, a you know near perfection in a structure and riff sound for just kind of this arena, riff rock, almost kind of glam style, whatever. And then there are these shitty, hopeful lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, dude, it could that, I don't know, it's just a little disappointing, but it doesn't take away from like if the line congratulations and there's nothing left to lose would have been used in that. I just, in my own mind... I always sing them that way mm -hmm. because it would have been so much better that way. And so I still have that moment with my, uh, within my own mind. Yeah. So I, there's me being kind of like an asshole, but I feel like he kind of lyrically missed the boat and uh, dude's, dude's kind of douchey. And, and I just, I think he, <laughs> I think he did try to do something meaningful and just, it fell, it fell on its face. And there's my cr critique of the song, although I bring it up because I, I think, um, I still think musically it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and I'll um, yeah, I'll I'll wrap my part up. Uh, yeah, I don't have much else to say. I mean, I've already called the dude a douchebag three times now. I guess after that last one, so yeah. should probably. Would just you like to out. call him that again or no? Okay, um, he also dances like an idiot when yeah. I watch some live videos. It's like yeah. stop doing that, dude. <laughs> Alright, so here's the deal. Take do, away. Not, do not listen to this band outside of this album. I should say that to most people. You it's pro, it's not that great. In fact, they had this like hiatus and him and there's only one other guy that those two are like the core members, I guess. Yeah, I see they they came out with an album in March of twenty twenty one. Yeah. Um somebody else might think it's good. He does. It is so bad. Yeah. I can't believe how bad it is. I hope it's not as bad as that photo shoot that I saw that they did for it. Did you see that one with like the yellow jacket and stuff? No. I'm a done box looking out up in the anything desert. on these guys. Yeah. I almost feel like I have to apologize for bringing these guys up as much as I wanted to bring them up. This has been fun. And I just want people to know how much <laughs> I loved this album and this song specifically. Yeah. And the guitar riffs within. Yeah. But outside of that. Yeah. Don't judge me for anything else the Juliana Theory has out there in the ether. Okay? Yeah. If you diss Brandon for liking this song, I will find you. Okay? Congratulations. Now, um, yeah, I'll just end it by saying it, it does, 
it does kind of do my watch. Heart. This is gonna be the one song that the artist actually finds this somehow, <laughs> and we just trashed him up and down. But I'm not going to apologize because it's too late. No. Yeah. Sorry. That's and never going to happen. But that'd be great. That, that would be. I have now interrupted you like four times. Can you please just complete your thought and call me an asshole? No, I love you. Um, uh, it just kind of does my heart good thinking of, <laughs> thinking of the moment when he came up with the concept of these lyrics. Because, all right, I'm, I'm just opening up on this guy too. All right. I just, I feel like... I feel like there was a moment during band practice when he just got done having a tough day, okay? Uh, whatever he was doing. Let's say working at the gas station, right? Trying to grind it out as a musician. But he had kind of a hopeful moment. And then after band practice, he's like, guys, I want to run something by you. Like, you know how sometimes you're having a tough time in life, but you, like, learn from it, you know? Like, it kind of builds you up as a person. Like, I want to make a song about that, man. But also, I don't want to feel sorry for that person, you know? I want to tell him, like, congratulations, you know? You're going to be a better person on the other side of this. <laughs> and the fact that people let him make this song, you know what I mean? There are oh, dude, accomplices. No, hold up. The guitarists are playing the, some of the funnest yeah, you're some right. Of the yeah, some yeah. of the most fun guitar riffs ever. Yeah, you're right. They don't give a shit. If <laughs> yeah, I'm up that, playing the guitar, that makes it way better. I am fucking playing the guitar. Dude, here is my advice. Here's my life application. If you're going to write a badass song with badass guitar riffs, yeah. and you're going to want to write lyrics, sing about girls before you sing about this kind of shit. Yeah. Okay? Be like a be like White Snake or something. Yeah. Just have cheesy, stupid lyrics before you try to and fail hard have meaningful lyrics. There's a life lesson in this song that I'm trying to bring to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Don't suck at what you do. If you're trying to write lyrics, don't suck at it. 